This episode of the Grow From Your Heart podcast is brought to you by our friends at SeedsHereNow.com. SeedsHereNow.com is the only official home of Swamp Boys Genetics. SeedsHereNow.com also offers seeds from all of the industry's leading breeders, including Aficionado Genetics, TH Seeds, and of course, Irie Genetics. Everything at SeedsHereNow.com is backed by an award-winning satisfaction guarantee. And for my friends on a tight budget, SeedsHereNow.com offers several packs for under $30, as well as amazing monthly sales. Make sure to use coupon code GFYH10 while checking out. Once again, that is coupon code GFYH10 while checking out at SeedsHereNow.com. Yeah, welcome to the show, Podcast World. I'm your host. My friends call me Rasta Jeff, and this is episode 649 of the Grow From Your Heart podcast. In this episode, I'm going to read a couple of Patreon questions. Before we get to that part of the show, let's do a few shout outs to a few of the kind folks who support the show on Patreon. Let's start off with a big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to my friend Riven Waters. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Thomas McGinnis and Fruggle Rock. Let's send a thank you shout out to the Big Sexy Dank and ADHD Grower. I want to send a big thank you shout out to Stash Drop 269 and Caribou Heart TV. Let's send a big thank you to Pack Northwest Dan and Girls Grow Too. And then let's wrap it all up with the big Grow From Your Heart podcast thank you shout out to our friend Tartan Mike. Big thanks and big shout out to everybody who continues to support the show on Patreon. If you are not already supporting the show and you would like to learn how to do so, all you have to do is visit www.patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. All of the information you need is right there on the screen. And of course, there is a link in the show notes and the video description to make it nice and easy for all of my friends. Welcome to the show, everybody. Let's start off with a couple of uh, internet questions I have received from YouTube and from a couple of emails real quick here. People have been asking why I don't smoke on the show. That is a very good question. Uh, it's a cannabis-based show. I talk about smoking a lot. A lot of times I tell you what I just smoked, but why don't I smoke on the show? That's a very good question. First of all, I smoked plenty right before the show. Uh, I take a couple of fat dabs, I set up these lights, I set up the camera, then I take a couple of more dabs and make sure everything's all rocking and rolling, do a quick little uh, mic check, then I start recording once I get my voice recovered. So I get plenty dabbed out before I start the show. There's no need to stop talking and take a couple of dabs, and that gets me to my second reason. Uh, there's no reason to stop talking and take dabs. I'm plenty lit. Uh, I'm here to teach you guys and give you a quality podcast. If I stop and take a dab or smoke a bowl in the middle, uh, that would probably... Uh, take away from the quality of the show. It would definitely derail my focus. Uh, so I just try to stay focused and keep smoking. You notice when I do have a guest, when Mike is on or somebody else is here, when they're talking, I do puff a little bit, but my intention for that is to keep my uh, my hands busy. I got ADD and I don't know what to do with my hands. So I'm just keeping my hands moving when other people are here on the show. Also, it helps me to stay calm and not interrupt so much. If I'm smoking, uh, a lot of times my ADD tells me to chime in and say something that's unnecessary. But I found that if I let a guest talk, they'll tell me what I want to know. I don't really need to interrupt. So I smoke while they're talking. That's when I do smoke. The main reason I don't smoke, though, honestly, is because YouTube sometimes will flag a video with consumption. I am more likely to get my videos taken down, my videos flagged, something disrupted by YouTube, 
because of consumption in the video. So I'm doing my best to keep these videos up on YouTube, keep the channel clean. That is my main reason, honestly, for not mass consumption here on the channel. You never know, we may have a multiple person show here in the future where we just bust out and smoke a lot. But for the most part, uh, I don't smoke because uh, dabbing and smoking gives me the <clears throat> that in my throat and nobody wants that shit in a podcast. Also, I'm here to teach you. I'm here to stay focused. I'm here to just keep talking. You don't want to watch me. Maybe you do want to watch me smoke, but that'll be my next point. Uh, I'm trying to give you a quality podcast without getting the channel deleted is my main reason why I don't smoke on the show. The next point, if you do want to hang out and watch me smoke, join me on Instagram Live. That's right, Monday at 7.10 p.m. Mountain Time. I'm here in the Colorado time zone. I don't know what time zone you are in. You will have to adjust, but... Monday afternoon, Monday evening, I guess it is, at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, around 7.10 p.m. I jump on sometime between 7 and 7.15. It's usually about 7.10. I jump on Instagram Live. My Instagram is irie underscore genetics, I-R-I-E underscore, then you can spell genetics, irie genetics on Instagram. If you give me a follow there, every Monday, approximately 7.10 p.m., I hop on Instagram Live. I try to say hi to everybody that comes into the live feed. Every name I see pop in, I try to say hello. I try to greet you. People come in my door. I try to say what's up to you personally. Sometimes Instagram doesn't show me that you popped in. Sometimes it'll say, uh, let's see, Riven Waters and seven other people have popped in. And I can't say hi to seven other because I don't know who you are. So I just give you a shout out when you come in. But uh, on that Instagram live show, I will smoke plenty of dabs. I will read all of the comments. I will answer a bunch of questions, and I will smoke a bunch of dabs. We listen to music, we hang out, we talk shit, and it is a good smoke session and a hangout session. It is nowhere, nowhere near as formal as this podcast. It's all freestyle. It is all on the fly. The questions are all just shot to me randomly. I try to answer them all. So my point here, if you want to hang out and smoke with me, if you want to watch me smoke, take fat dabs, get too stoned, I get silly, you guys. I, I really get chilled out on that show. I smoke until I have to stop and go get food. So... Uh, Monday nights on Instagram. Give me a follow on the Instagram, Irie underscore genetics. Leads me to one more segue, Irie. The word is Irie. A lot of people call it eerie genetics. That's cool if you want to call it eerie. It is a, a little creepy, but the word is Irie. Irie is a Jamaican word. Uh, it means to just feel the best you could feel. To mean It means to feel blessed and just good, just feeling Irie. You know when you're sitting, uh, for me, it's like, uh, on a hill, just a nice hillside with a little breeze coming toward me, a nice grassy hill. You know when you sit in the grass, the grass is just naturally cool. No matter how hot it is outside, that grass just feels good and cool on your body. You put your feet, your bare feet in that grass, rub your toes in the grass, your butt's on the grass. I got clothes on, guys. Don't worry. You got clothes on, but my butt's on the grass. I got my palms touching that grass. It's nice and cool, and I'm just sitting there. I got a little bit of breeze blowing my dreadlocks out of my face. Uh, the sun is just right, so you're just kind of like, damn, it's bright, but you're not squinting and dying from it, and you're just maybe overlooking some water. Maybe you got your dog next to you. Maybe you got your, your partner with you. Maybe your best friend. Maybe your lover. Maybe your boyfriend, girlfriend. Maybe it's a unicorn. It's fucking 2021. You could have whatever you want next to you that makes you feel the happiest you feel. That feeling right there when you're just chilling. Maybe you got a white claw on your hand because it's 2021. I'm drinking a kombucha. You do what you want. But that is feeling irie, just when you feel good. When the reggae music is playing at the concert and you're just bobbing your head and everybody's bobbing their head and the smoke's in the air and the sun is setting behind the stage and the uh, reggae stars are dancing and the lights are popping up off the stage and you're just like, yeah, that feeling, that is Irie. That's what Irie means. <clears throat> Irie. I'm sure you've heard it in reggae music. You've heard it in Jamaican music. 
Uh, if you've gone to a reggae show, the reggae singer has said the word irie because they are feeling irie. They're making you feel irie. So I've said it enough times. It's not eerie. The word is irie, irie genetics, because I'm inspired by a lot of Rastafari Jamaican culture. You'll also find a lot of Grateful Dead references in my strain names. Anyway, wanted to say irie genetics. Find me on Instagram. Uh, that was a long ramble about the word irie, but we got to gotta teach the people. Now, another question I get often asked is, why is the podcast age restricted? Because I'm trying to keep the channel. Uh, I talk about cannabis. I say the F word. I drop a lot of fucking profane language on here. Uh, I tried to edit myself back in the day, but I found that uh, I say fuck, and there's no reason to cut that out. That's just something that I say. So it's going to be in the podcast. Therefore, we must make it. Um, it's got to be, what's the word, age-restricted. Also, I'm talking about cannabis. Uh, people who are under the age of 18 probably, uh, I don't know, maybe they shouldn't be learning about cannabis right away. It's not. It's somebody's. It's their parents' responsibility until they're 18 to teach them about cannabis. The day after that, I'll teach you everything you want to know. But uh, until then, it's your parents' responsibility to teach you. That's the technical legal shit, right? So that's why it's age-restricted on YouTube. I want to keep the channel. I don't need little kids seeing the channel and leaving comments and telling their mom, hey, I want to take dabs and be like Rasta Jeff. That would be fucking weird. So we keep it age-restricted for the adults. All you've got to do is change on your Google account, change your age to over 18. Uh, you better be 18 if you do that, wink, wink. But all you've got to do is go put in your birthday and change it, and it will let you sign in. Somebody told me that YouTube wanted their credit card. Bro, you're doing something wrong. YouTube does not want your credit card. You're probably not even seeing this because you couldn't get that far. But uh, YouTube is age-restricted because I want to keep my channel. You guys, if it were not age-restricted, little kids saw this, might get me in trouble. Not in trouble, just get the channel taken down. And I want you to be able to watch the show. We tried to post the videos other places, and it doesn't get any views, and it just sucks for loading. It takes too long. So we're just going to do it on the YouTube. we got to keep the channel. All right, I've been rambling for quite some time. We have not gotten to the main cannabis portion of this podcast. I've got some great questions from me. This question came from the Patreon channel. This question comes from our friend. They want their name said. They said it right in the email. So we're just going to start by reading it. It says, actually, I think I have two similar. Yeah, we got two emails with the same question. That's why we're going to do this. The first one comes from, it says, what's up, Rasta Jeff? We got Papa Z here. Uh, you are welcome to use my name on the air. That's what I needed. It says, thank you for everything you do for all of us who strive to be better growers and just plain better in life. Bro, thank you. I'm glad I'm making you a better grower, and I'm glad it is making you be a better person in life. Big respect. I appreciate that. It says, I won't ramble on as usual. Thank you because I've done enough of that. It says, here is my question. I just popped a pack of strawberry starburst, and I want to know, in your opinion, is it better to take a cutting as soon as I am able from each seedling and then plant that cutting after it roots and flip that and find the males, very reasonable uh, method, or should I just flip the seedling and then switch it back to veg after finding the male show their finding them show their sex? And thanks for the videos, they're freaking epic. So I did post some videos on topping and cloning, and people have made a lot of comments on those. You're very welcome, and thanks for watching the videos. Uh, my answer, the short. Oh, he wraps it up with much love and jaw guide from Papa Z. My short answer is yes. I'm going to read another question that is very similar to this, and then I think we are going to uh, give you some answers. Let me read this next question, and we'll delve deeper into the answer to this. This one says, uh, I have a question. Being a Michigan resident, we are now limited to 12 plants for recreational growing. I would like to maximize these uh, gorilla cookie seeds. I hope you guys didn't just hear my stomach rumble. I apologize if that came through. Wow, somebody feed the hippie. Um, where are we? Uh, I've got these gorilla cookie seeds I was given from a friend. In order to audition these plants before going outside, very wise move. Thank you. You have listened to my podcast previously. 
I hate it when people put plants outside that they have not auditioned. If you don't know if that plant's a male or a female, please don't put it outside. Don't pollinate all the other outdoor grows. This person has the right idea. Uh, before putting it outside, I was thinking I would start them inside my tent and veg for eight weeks. You're going to have good-sized plants. Flip it to flower and weed out the males since I'm not breeding or looking to fuck up someone else's grow. Very good forethought. Thank you. Big respect for that. I'm glad you're thinking ahead. Uh, and then re-veg the females to go outdoors. Is this going to stress the girls too much or no? Um, then at the bottom of your question, bro, I wrote the word perfect. Um, that's, that's the best way to do it. Uh, audition them before you put them outside. Flip them into flower. Wait to see what the males are. Then re-veg the females and put the females outside. That is a very beautiful strategy. This is very similar to the question we were asked previously. Previously, So let's delve into this. This is kind of the same answer, the same question here for both of these. The main question is I'm trying to determine how to sex my plants. They want to find the quickest ways of sexing their plants to determine if they've got males or females. So that way we don't waste time putting uh, this guy is going to put their plants outdoors. He's going to veg for eight weeks and then put them outside. That's a big plant. If you put those giant plants outside, they're going to be huge. When they start to turn, uh, they show their sex on you. That could pollinate the whole fucking neighborhood. So we don't want to put that male outside. Our other friend is going to be growing in a tent and wants to make the best out of their seeds, and they don't want to waste space. Very reasonable, reasonable expectations here. Uh, what I would recommend for my friend who's going to go outdoors and uh, would also work for Papa Z, I would take a clone from those plants. You're going to veg for eight weeks. We could probably top around week three and get a good clone. Like the top, of, it's going to bush out and it's going to make a top. I've showed you this part on video before. Take that top and make a clone out of the top. If you have another space, this is what I would do. Take the clone out of the top of each of your plants. Label your plants. Plant A, plant B, plant C, uh, however many you have. You have 10 of them, do numbers. You have 12, do numbers. It's going to be easier. Uh, do numbers, 1 through 12. Then take a clone and label your clones appropriately. Clone 1, clone 2, so that they match up with the plant it came from. I hope that makes sense. Uh, then put those clones under 12-12 lighting. The clones will begin to root, and while they are rooting, they will show you if they're male or female in about 10, 12, maybe 14 days. So then you don't have to veg giant plants. You don't have to veg them out for five extra weeks should they be boys. You can get rid of them even sooner then flipping the plants, putting them into veg, and then finding out. So the sooner you can flip them uh, into flower or cut a clone would be better. Don't let them get too big, then do it. Do it early. You can do it when they're tiny. You can do it uh, as soon as you have a plant. You know what I mean by when it goes from a seedling to looking like a plant? Once you think it's an actual plant, then put that fucker into flower. They're only going to be a foot tall, 10 inches tall, and they're going to be 14 inches tall by the time you find out they're into flower. Then put it back into veg and then up pot it and it will re-veg more quickly. So that'll save you time, uh, save you some space. If you've got that second space, uh, you can do the clones. If not, flower out that original mom plant and find out what you've got. That way you don't grow it so big. I hate wasting time, space, energy. I could have put different plants in there and had a whole new project underway had I known that that one big pot was wasting all my space. That's the way I think about it. Real estate's expensive in a grow environment. Now we're gonna lean back over here to Papa Z's question. It's similar. It's a very similar thing. My question is, uh, is it better to take a cutting as soon as I'm able uh, and then plant the cutting as it roots and then flip that to find the males or flip the seedlings? So about three weeks into veg, take a clone if you've got the opportunity. Let's see. Take cuttings. So take cuttings. About three weeks into veg, take a cutting. Now you've got this big mom plant and you've got the cuttings. You can, at that point, put that cutting into uh, flower immediately and it will show you which ones are the males and females. Now you can 
Uh, toss the males immediately if you want to, and you can keep the females. Now, you've already got backup clones of those plants, so you've got a mother plant for the future. So if one of these plants turns out to be stellar and you want to keep it forever, or maybe you just don't have more plants to grow. Maybe you want to keep something around to grow in the future so you don't have to keep popping seeds and sexing stuff. You can find one that's reliable. Uh, then you've got a clone for it. It's already there in the clone dome. So that is one thing that is very advantageous. So if you've got a clone of each of those plants and you put them into flower, they will show you sex about the same time frame that it would take if you put the original plant into flower uh, and then let it show you sex. It's going to take about the same amount of time, 10, 12, maybe 14 days. They're both going into flower. Uh, if you do it with the main plant, then you've got to re-veg it. If you do it with the clones, there's no re-veg happening. So if you've got the option in this case, I would probably take the clones and flower those out, find the males, pull the males, and that way you don't have the uh, main mommy or the main plant that you started with is not in flower. You don't have to revert it. It's going to take you a week or two to get it back into the vegetative stage. Then you've got to re-veg it. Then it's going to regrow again. You could skip that two-week stress period right there just by flowering out that clone. Then you've got a flowered clone that will work as a mother. You can re-veg that clone, and that will work as a mother if you choose to keep it as a mother or just let that plant grow because you already know that it's a female because you've gotten a clone off of it. Take more clones again if you choose to keep it, and then let that be your mother plant for the future. Take clones later on in the future. Uh, wouldn't be a bad idea. I think that makes sense of what I'm talking about. To be honest with you, all of your methods would work. All of your ideas would work. It's just what is best for you. Uh, you can cut clones. Then you can either uh, flip the clone. You can either flip the mom uh, or you can uh, flip and return the mom. Sometimes we just put the mom into the flowering room and let them go. And then you just pull them out and chop them down and throw them away at that point. Uh, if you find out that it's a male or a female, uh, or you keep the females is what I'm saying. You let the females keep going. If it's a boy, you just chop it down. And then you just got that big plant in there. You're just running the risk. Uh, an experienced grower can spot the boys pretty quickly. We'll just go pull them out. Uh, if you got a female and you didn't get clones at that point, you could pull it out, put it back in veg. But uh, take a clone and flip it. Flip the mom and let it go. Or flip the mom until it shows you. And then re-veg it are the options. Both of you guys have a great strategy. Uh, it's just all about deciding what works best for you. Uh, I think Papa Z, and I think both of you guys are option. Uh, around week three, take a clone and put that tray of clones into flower immediately. And in 14 days, you'll know what you've got if you have the extra space to do so. Um, my friend that's going outdoors, I would recommend that you flower those plants a little bit earlier than you anticipated. That way they got time to re-veg and you don't waste so much time and space with the plant that you don't need. You don't have to water it, feed it, take care of it, waste space with it if it is indeed a male plant. All right, that was a long time for two emails. I hope I answered a lot of questions for you guys there. Let's see. Should I jump into this next one? Yes, we've got plenty of time to jump into this next email. This next one comes from my friend Zachary, and it came from Patreon at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. And it goes just like this. It says, sir, it doesn't slur like that, I promise you. It says, sir, I just thought of another question. I've been using CO2 mushroom bags for shits and giggles, and I can honestly say that I have no idea if it helped or not. Um, if you can't quantify results in some sort of way, it was not cost effective. You just donated money to that company is basically what you did there. Um, did you use a meter or something? We're going to keep going. Uh, I have measured, have I measured the CO2 in the room? No, but I keep close attention to my ladies and I visit these hoes every day. They have a pretty steady pattern about them. My question is, do you use CO2 supplementation and what are the factors that would make it worth it from a tent grower 
to a building-sized operation. The factors in mind uh, here are obvious, temperature, humidity, but also a room being sealed enough, air circulation, etc. Uh, there's a lot to touch on already. He does say, side note, I've been growing three breeder seeds, including yours. And from what I'm seeing so far, yours are killing it in my tent conditions. And those extra seeds you gave me went to some growers in need. Thanks again. Uh, that's a great way to wrap up that message because it says that my seeds are outperforming other breeders. And it also shows that I gave you extra seeds. That's really cool. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, let's focus on this question here. Talking about CO2 in a room. Uh, a sealed room is a big factor. Where is that CO2 going? How are you exhausting your tent? Uh, most of the time we put a blower at the top of the tent or a carbon filter somewhere near the top. It's exhausting the air out of the top, blowing it out of the tent. Does that ducting go out of a window, out of the domicile, out of the building, or does it blow the air back into the office space, bedroom, living room, basement, attic, wherever you might have this grow tent? is that air being blown back into there. If it's going out the window, your CO2 is now out the window. It's part of the atmosphere. Uh, you just CO2'd up the neighborhood. With the mushroom bag, you honestly probably didn't do shit, but uh, you blew the CO2 right out the window if you had the ducting going out the window. If you're blowing that air back into the room, it had the opportunity to get sucked in through the passive vents on the bottom, or maybe you've got an active intake uh, near the bottom of that tent, but possibly some of it, a portion of it, got sucked back in through the bottom and then cycled back up through your tent again. Also, it mixed into the rest of the atmosphere in the room. How big is that room? How much airflow is in that room? Uh, is there a door open? Is there a window open? Is that door open to the rest of the house? Is that tent in a 9,000 square foot warehouse by itself? Is it in a five by seven bedroom that is stifled? These are going to be huge factors that depend that make that come into play to decide it's all about airflow, cubic feet, uh, amount of fucking CO2 you've introduced into the room. Where did it go? So it's all about the cycling and recycling and the amount of sealed environment you've got in there. If you're just blowing it out the window, you're literally just blowing it out the window. If it's sealed in there and there's nowhere for it to go, it's circling back in there. But also that tells me that your room is probably uh, too hot and probably kind of humid also, unless you've got the appropriate equipment in there to combat that. Um, let's see. I like to aim for fairly high PPMs in a... So in my personal grows, I do not run CO2. It's extra work. Uh, it's a couple of extra strip trips to the grow store. I feel like my plants are, the plants I'm working with are high performance plants. People always tell me my plants veg faster. They flower with much more vigor. Uh, a little bit of CO2 may make my plants go too fast and mess up my whole schedule. Most of my stuff is in a small space. My personal stuff is in a very small space. I don't feel the need to augment the CO2 there. Also, most of what I'm breeding for is for seeds. I don't need big fat buds. I'd get bigger plants with faster growth. I'm not worried on that big accelerated bud growth. I want healthy seeds. So that's mainly what I focus on. In a commercial grow environment, I CO2 up those rooms heavily. Somewhere between 1,000 and 1,400 PPMs, just depending on what part of the flowering cycle we are in. Uh, in veg, I stay around 1,000. In the flowering times, we'll crank it up to about 1,400 PPMs. It gets quite expensive to augment CO2 in a large environment. If, if, if I notice that we can't keep it up, if we need uh, more uh, CO2 being dumped into the room, then it's cost effective. I'll simply just keep the PPMs closer to a thousand. If we can keep it in the room, if it's a smaller room, better sealed, uh, better airflow, that's when I'll crank it up uh, kind of in the later weeks of flower, not the final weeks, but the later weeks of flower, I'll really crank up that CO2. Um, so the factors are, it's all about sealed. Uh, can you 
how are you providing the CO2? Is it coming from a burner? If it's coming from a burner, you were just limited by the performance of that burner. Can you, and the heat that it puts off as well. Can you turn that bitch up enough to saturate the room at the desired level uh, with the amount of sealed uh, sealing that you've done in that room? If you're using tanks, uh, that gets expensive. You've got to refill the tanks. Can you saturate the room with CO2 at the level you desire and maintain those tanks? Can you get to the store as often as you need to? Can you carry in those tanks as often as you need to without your neighbors seeing you? Uh, CO2 tanks being carried into the house looks super fucking sketchy. People don't realize you may use CO2 for a cannabis grow. They think you're doing something way different. The kids in the neighborhood are going to think you got helium and they're going to want fucking helium balloons. So if you got that CO2 tank, uh, you're going to have to move that into the house a couple of times a week or a couple of times a month or something. Think about that. Do you want to move that? Also, that gets expensive. If your room is not sealed properly, uh, you're just ducting that shit right out the window. You just drove, picked it up, snuck it into the house, paid for it, hooked it up, and then vented it right out the damn window. So unless you're sealing the room, that is not cost effective. What are the other methods of creating CO2? We got the tanks. We got the burner. Oh, we got these mushroom bags. I really don't know if those are effective. Let's talk about that. Unless you're getting out a meter, you said you do not use a meter. Unless you're getting out a meter, there's no real way to measure the amount of CO2 in the room. I've got a lot of meters in the commercial environment that tell me what the uh, the CO2 is throughout the room. Uh, I've got it set up to where if the CO2 is too high here, or too low here, it'll actually turn on in this region and not in this region. Fans will kick on and move CO2. It's a pretty advanced room in some of these places. Uh, you've got to have the meters. We also have these big meters that if it gets dangerously high, the fucking alarms go off and it tells us to leave the building. It's pretty cool. Uh, had that happen once, almost shit my pants, scared the shit out of me. Uh, but we do have a lot of CO2 monitoring in the commercial environments. You need a monitor. If you're going to pay for the juice, you got to monitor the juice. You got to get the equipment that goes with it, or you don't even know if you're doing anything. You need some sort of quantifiable data, also quantifiable results. If you put that in there and you didn't get any results out of it, it was not cost effective, which means it didn't do, it wasn't cost effective. I wouldn't do it again, unless you got more out of spending more money don't do it again unless the quality is better and you, we're not looking i don't think quality is going to be better because of co2 you're just looking for bigger fatter plants bigger fatter buds so uh you need a meter uh i would optimize the room the tent is in a room in your situation i would optimize the room in which the tent is in because that room is working as a lung room you've got your main environment in the tent and then outside that air gets to mix around again and kind of stabilize itself to the uh, room temperature, which was going to be whatever ambient environment is. If it's a hot day, it's going to be hot. If it's cool, it's going to be cool. But it's getting to mix in there again uh, and kind of stabilize itself before it gets sucked back into the room. If you can keep that room closed and keep the CO2 aug augmented in that room as well, that will help you out. A lot of people uh, adjust the temperature and humidity of the room in which the tent is in. I wouldn't put my air conditioner in the tent. I would put it in the bedroom, which the tent is in, put my humidifier and dehumidifier in that room, adjust that temperature and then blow that perfect air into the tent and then suck out the bad air out of the top of the tent. So I'd be uh, augmenting the CO2 in that big room as well. I know that sounds silly, but from a commercial grower standpoint, from a very experienced grower standpoint, that's the way to do it. Now, what you're going to have to do at that point is make sure that room is sealed. Are you evacuating air out of that room somehow? Are people opening the door coming in and out of that room? If it's an active house in the, or an active room in the house, this may not be the best way to do it. You may just want to rock it without CO2 or just be the guy that puts a little tank right outside there and runs the lines into right into the tent and then just drops that CO2 right in there. It could get wasteful, uh, but it's going right to the plants that way. That works too. Um, 
just try not to waste it. It is expensive. Is it cost effective? I would get meters. I would take a lot of notes. We need quantifiable data, run two or three harvests of the same strain of the same plants for the same amount of time with the same feed. If you want it to be scientific, you have to do it scientifically. I know I said scientifically. Um, if you can't seal that room up the way I said before, put the tanks right outside of the tent, run your lines right inside the tent and run that perforated drip line right above the plants like six or eight inches above the canopy, make a loop all the way around that tent, maybe do a cross across the middle if you can run the lines that way. So that CO2 is dropping right into the canopy of those plants and then your extraction fan will suck it up. It's heavier than oxygen, so it's gonna fall. When that extraction fan comes on, it'll pull it back up. Hopefully it sucks it into the room and then that extraction fan is pulling passive air into the bottom. Hopefully, like I said before, it brings it right back into that tent once it recycles with the air outside. Um, you're going to need meters. That's my main advice, bro. Find a meter and see uh, what the meter says. You're probably going to start off around 350 to 420 ppms of CO2 in your room. That's naturally what the environment seems to be lately. Uh, see what you can do by augmenting it with these cheap bags. See if you want to invest in more expensive equipment pumping up the CO2. If you get it high and you get a good pattern and figure out what each strain likes, it will increase your bulk. It will make the plants beef up, bulk up, fatten up. You will notice faster growth because of that CO2 if you can get it dialed in. Um, I wrote a high PPM show results, but is it cost effective? That is uh, the main thing to think about, cost effective. If it's not cost effective, cut it out. The only way to find out is to seal up that room, let that shit rip and see what it does for your plants. All right, uh, Zachary, thank you uh, for the great Patreon question. Uh, I want to thank everybody who sent me messages today for the continued Patreon support. I do see your names on a lot of my things. My Instagram, I see you pop up. I see you on my Patreon all the time. I see you in the Discord. I appreciate the community interaction. Big shout out to the Irie Army, the Grow From Your Heart podcast crew, gang, gang. I do appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you guys for the big, big support. All right, I do feel like I've answered a couple of questions for this episode. I feel like I went for about 30-ish minutes. I tried to give you a 30-minute episode. The numbers show me that uh, people stop listening, dead on stop listening at 36 minutes. People start checking out about 18 minutes, so I think 30 minutes is a good show for you. Big shout out to everybody out there with attention deficit problems. I love you guys. I'm in your gang. Don't worry. Um, that's all I've got for this episode. If you feel like this episode was educational, informative, or entertaining, uh, maybe you learned a couple of things, maybe I improved your garden, maybe you just like to throw me a couple of bucks because I'm educational or entertaining. I think I said that already. Anyway, the Patreon is patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. Don't be shy. All the info you need is right there on the screen at patreon.com forward slash grow from your heart. If you have any questions, corrections, comments, or concerns, I would love to hear from you. My email address is growfromyourheart at hotmail.com. Don't be shy. Send me that feedback. Let me know what you're thinking about the show. I do appreciate it. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of interaction. If I haven't answered you, don't feel like I'm ignoring you. Uh, there are 7,000 people subscribed to this podcast. Thank you for the 7,000 subscribers, by the way. And there's only one of me. So I get a lot of messages. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of comments. I do try to reply to all of them, but it's just me and my little fingers can only go so fast. So be patient with me. I'm not ignoring you. I don't hate you. I love each and every one of you like my own adopted pets. I will get to your messages. I do promise. My New Year's resolution was to be better at answering emails. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I hit that goal or not. We're only halfway through the year here, so I got a lot of a lot of catching up to do. I feel like we can fix this. We can redeem that. Um, you guys, I'm just rambling at this point. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, I'll be back in a couple of days with fresh new content. I want to give a giant shout-out to my friend Blackbird76. And until next time, take a fat dab and give your mom a hug for me.